What do we do when we encounter God's glory? So this morning we have these two lessons. Moses coming down from the mountaintop where he's been spending time with God, where, where he hears of God's desire, God's ten best ways, God's ten commandments, God's intention for us to live with God and with each other. He comes down off the mountain, and he's not even aware his face is shining. It is glowing. It is radiant with God's glory, and it's too much for the people, right? They're like, whoa, whoa. But Moses basking, marinating, sitting with God, is to radiate that glory of the creator of all that we know and that we don't know. So Moses went up on the mountain. He's face to face with God. He comes down from the mountain. He teaches the people. And then after he's shared what he has heard from God, what he has learned, he covers his face with a veil to go about in his daily work. Until the next time he is drawn to the source and he is drawn up the mountain and the veil comes off and he basks in the glory, dogza, of God. Then this morning in the gospel, we hear the story of the transfiguration. It's a transition moment. We're in a transitional space. As a church, right, we are in transition. Feel it. We're sitting a little closer to each other these days. And we're also in a transitional moment in our church calendar. We, ever since we had, we had Advent and Christmas and the season after the Epiphany, today is this last Sunday before we embark upon the season of Lent, which begins Wednesday with Ash Wednesday. And every year, we hear the story of the Transfiguration, the story of Jesus up on the mountaintop encountering God and these mysterious figures from the stories of the Hebrew scriptures and Jesus shining, glowing, radiant with the brightness of God's light. The story doesn't make any sense. Most of the time when we have a a gospel story about Jesus, Jesus is doing some teaching and you can say, ah, yeah, that was a good teaching. Way to go, Jesus. Let's, let's try to live our life like that teaching. Jesus doesn't even say anything in this account. We don't hear, at least, the conversation that Jesus is having with Moses and Elijah. Luke, our gospel writer this morning, he tells us that Jesus takes with him a couple, his inner circle, his crew, Peter, James, and John. And they go up to the mountain to pray. It's a theme, a pattern in Luke. Before Jesus is about to go do some teaching or some healing, he goes off to first pray, to sit with God, to marinate with God, to be reminded of who he is and who he belongs to. So Jesus has taken his friends, he's gone up on the mountain, and this mysterious, mystical event happens. He is transfigured. His body is changed. The disciples look up and they see Moses and Elijah with him. Figures that were long gone in their story. But Moses reminding us of the commandments of God's ten best ways of living, of the law. And Elijah reminding us of all the prophetic witness of all of the prophets. 
Moses and Elijah surrounding Jesus, and, and Luke tells us they were talking about Jesus' exodon, his exodus, that he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. This is a transition moment for Jesus, too. He's on the mountaintop, and I have this sense, I like to think of Jesus as being filled up. God is pouring God's love, God's glory, God's groundedness into Jesus. Because when he starts his way down off the mountain, that is when he sets his heart and his footsteps toward Jerusalem. And this this way of following in the footsteps of Jesus, it's not successful by the way we measure success in our world. It's a downward path. Ultimately, leading to something nobody could predict or see coming that breaks everything open in a new way. But that pathway is all downhill. I envision Moses and Elijah and Jesus standing up on the mountaintop with Peter and James and John. It's like this moment where the the kingdom of the world, the way the world works, and the kingdom of heaven overlap and come into alignment. And the disciples are, are drawn up into this new way of seeing, into this new way of knowing Jesus. And then what happens? Peter starts to think about what we should do here. Let's build some tabernacles. Let's build some memorials here. And all of a sudden, a cloud comes in and envelopes them. And the text says they were terrified. They encountered the holiness, the awe, the gravitas of God. And from this cloud comes a strong voice. This is my chosen. Listen to him. This mystical, otherworldly experience with divinity reminds me in the beginning of the Gospel of Luke when the Mother Mary is visited by the angel Gabriel and told what is about to happen for our world and her part in it. And the first thing Gabriel says to Mary is, don't be afraid. She experiences this holiness, this awe, encountering divinity. And then there's the shepherds tending their sheep when the angels come to announce that Jesus has been born. Don't be afraid, they are told. Something new is happening in the world. And here we have some of Jesus' disciples encountering this otherworldly, mystical, wonderful experience. Experiencing that holiness, that awe. And it's a foretaste, perhaps, foreshadowing of what happens at the almost end of the story. When Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, go back to the tomb a few days later to anoint the body of Jesus. And instead of encountering Jesus' body there, they find two mystical beings, shining, dazzling white, who say, why, why are you looking for him here? Don't you remember? Don't you remember what he said? Don't look for him here. Go out. Look for him where he said he would be. This week as I was getting very excited to be preaching about the story of transfiguration, 
I was remembering my experience with this story. I had the good fortune to go on pilgrimage to the Holy Land. And nowadays, there's a mountain called Mount Tabor where they say the transfiguration happened. Maybe it did, maybe it didn't. But over the years, there's a few churches that have been built on the top of this mountain. The church there right now is about 100 years old, but it's built on the top of a Crusader-era church, which is built on the top of a church that was created in the Byzantine era. So for a long time, people have been drawn to this mountaintop. Something mystical happens here. To get to the top of the mountain, we had to shove into this very old car. I think there were four or five of us squirmed into the back seat. And the drivers who know this road really well were taking the switchback turns very fast. It was one of those moments where you just kind of close your eyes and you go, okay, God, this is going to be all right. As you watch the other vehicles coming down right at you. But we all made it miraculously to the top. You get out of the car, you take a deep breath, and the vista was clear for miles. It was beautiful. It was a quiet, deep stillness. And we walked into the church, sort of gold mosaic on the wall. There's a chapel for Moses. There's a chapel for Elijah. I'm not sure how long we spent within the church, but after a bit of time, I went out to a side door, and I opened the door, and I stepped outside, and my heart stopped caught up in my throat because I couldn't see. The clouds had come in and were enveloping the mountaintop. And I had this sense of wonder, of awe, this understanding, this stuff really happens, this stuff that we can't explain that we can't rationally understand. Stuff, it's about wonder and awe and opening our hearts to the work that God is doing within us, among us, out there in the world. There's another transition we are in the midst of here at St. John's as we've been following in the practices of the way of love. Today, this month, we begin the practice of go, going forth. Going forth to move out into those uncomfortable areas, seeking to breach the barriers that need to be broken down. The part of this practice is deeply listening, and then going out to live and love like Jesus. Just like Moses, just like Jesus, came up onto the mountain to sit with God, to pray, to learn about who they were, be filled up with God's love, and then they head down the mountain and go out into the world to share that work. May we, may we as the church, as God's people, bask in that bright glory of God and then go and share that, listening deeply to the needs of our world. In Jesus' name, amen.